0: Hi, and welcome to the IT Insider Podcast, the podcast to help the IT professionals and enthusiasts better understand the fast paced world of technology. We hope you'll enjoy this IT Insider production. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the IT Insider Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Richard Holmes from IRECS, and today I'm joined by a very special guest and friend of the show, Will Boyle. Hi Will! Hi there, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, how
1: are you? Fantastic. Pleased to be here in London, China. Ah, that's great, that's great. So,
0: Will is uh, Head of Business Development for um, our business partner in the IBM space, Simile. And uh, I think it's probably worth adding at this point, congratulations to Simile, you've become an IBM gold partner. Indeed. Yes. Um, and on this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the progression of business intelligence and what the future has in store for uh, organizations looking to address any and all aspect of corporate performance management. So, before we get too deep into the conversation, mm-hmm. can I ask you, Will, could you, by way of a bit of an introduction, could you give us a little bit of a background about yourself and who I and what is it you guys do, and why
1: business, is inte- business intelligence is important to you guys. Well, well firstly, uh, my name is Will Boyle, as you introduced me so well. Um, people listening to this podcast will obviously pick up very quickly that it's an Irish accent that they're listening to. Um, I've been involved in business development for around 11 or 12 years now, and um, Throughout my career, I've worked in information management, social media analytics, uh, and analytics itself, which really I fell into by a happy coincidence, but I absolutely love analytics. I've just got a brain that's kind of designed for it. Um, I'm constantly checking my dashboard and my Fitbit, looking at how I can improve performance, and um, I just really do believe that if you're able to analyze how you're doing in something, make changes and, and make it better. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing. So, so that's how I've wound up in business development and specifically analytics. Um, Assimilate. Assimilate, as you mentioned, are recently a gold IBM business partner. So we specialize primarily in the Cognos business analytics space. But we really look at every single aspect of business intelligence and analytics. So we cover data warehousing. So if you're basically looking to get structures in place to manage and house your data, Mm-hmm. we can help you with that. If you have many different disparate data sources without your organization, we can help you with a business intelligence platform. We also work, we have a head of uh, financial performance management, who looks after all of our financial performance management customers, which includes a wide range of IBM products like TM1, a lot of people will be familiar with that, and CDM and, and several other different Different products and really all the way to Watson Analytics. So, as I say, a broad spectrum of the analytics portfolio uh, and including cloud hosting. And what for me, what Assimilate is all about because there's a huge amount of, of business partners out there doing analytics in its various different forms. And what sums up Assimilate is its focus on delivery. And I think that's driven by our founders and our directors. They're both long-time consultants prior to forming Assimilate. So they really have kind of earned their stripes by working on-site with clients. So uh, the focus of every single engagement is the customer. And I know everyone will say that, but it really is, they're the guys that have spent the late nights or the Friday nights or the Sunday mornings even, trying to get a server spun up so they can help their customers to, to deliver. And this year just passed. In 2016, they had 10 years in business. So it really stands to you know, what they've been able to deliver, and their focus has always been on delivering for the customers. So I think that's what sets them apart, is our directors both still work with customers, they both still go on-site, mm-hmm. um, but they also obviously allocate time to run the business.
0: And I suppose, yeah, you know, that, that leads me nicely onto my first question for you, which is, <coughs> Because you come from that consultancy background, and because you approach, like, from what I know of, you guys, you, know, you approach business business intelligence and you channel analytics across. When you look at your your customer base, a real wide set of industries, um, from you know, aerospace to retail, electronics to, to food and be- beverage. So, yeah, that that com- consultative approach uh, and getting to getting to know and getting to understand the client's needs must must be really really important. And, and obviously. I suppose it reflects well in the fact that you guys have just celebrated the anniversary. But my question is, yeah, with all my experience in mind and and dealing across all those sorts of verticals, do you see any sort of common themes or, or trends around organisations looking to drive more value from there? Mm.
1: uh it's a very interesting question and it's it's one people often ask is yeah. is there an industry specialist or you know if you if you're doing business analytics or bi is there a finance services uh, specialty is there an yeah. oil and gas is there a food and beverage hospitality um and it's, it's a really good question because for me the key to delivering a successful business intelligence program is the marriage between the business knowledge which no company working as a partner to deliver a BI project will have mm-hmm. only the people in the organization so it's the marriage between that business knowledge that they have because they'll know their own industry and they'll know their own business Yeah. and then the technology so what's possible so what can you deliver so I think I think that's the key for us is, is how do we work in tandem uh, with our customers and really as I say the focus for us has been about the projects that excite the team and that we're able to deliver. Yeah. And really there's no one key area within a business uh, that we would focus on. It's typically driven by the business problems and the business challenges that the customers have when we engage with them. I think the thing that we are able to do is literally sit arm and arm with them uh, in their offices. And we've got a phenomenal partnership with uh, DFS here, one of our kind of flagship references, yep. um, and they've been an IBM spokesperson for us as well. And I think they've—I was there a couple of weeks ago—and they literally, you know, they welcome you in, cup of tea. You're like a friend visiting, and that's the kind of relationship that we've been able to foster. And especially the delivery team, the guys who go on site, as I say, and it's identifying where the business challenges are, um, and sharing that information. And you only really build that up through trust, because mm. it's difficult for, to come in and somebody tell you we're really struggling with. You know, looking at solvency in this department, or really struggling with turnover, or our churn rate, or we're losing staff in this area, and we're not sure why. You know, these kind of things are you know quite sensitive to businesses. So they're only really going to share the length and breadth of that when they trust you. Yeah. And then when they trust you, they'll share it in its entirety. So when you actually know, right, these are the things that are really challenging the customer. The guys have the technical knowledge to go right. We don't can deliver this, and what it needs is. It needs a bit of Cognos, a bit of predictive analytics, a bit of uh, T1, and we can wrap it into a nice dashboard for them, and we can host it on the cloud. But we would never lead with a kind of product, and I think that's that's where I think there's a gap, and that's what we think differentiates us. And, and that's interesting. I mean, you've um, yeah, quite a few uh, um, business
0: processes and business units within an organisation, yeah. and. The interesting thing is each one of them has, has a different objective, probably has, a, has a, a different pinpoint, and I think we're quite eloquently put forward there, is that uh, with, with the product and the technology skills and experience that you have, and knowing what a successful project looks like, mm-hmm. you can bring that in to augment the, the deep understanding of the business that your client has. Is that, is
1: that a fair summary? Yeah, absolutely, and uh, the kind of upshot of that is you're almost bought into the project together then because you built up that that trust and then when it's delivered, instead of delivering a product, you're delivering against a kind of objective that you both really want to solve this business problem because from the client side, that's success for them because they're able to say, right, we had a challenge in this area and I've worked with Assimilate and we solved it, and from an Assimilate perspective, that's then how we judge, right, has this project on our side been successful? Because that's ultimately what we want to do. We don't want to sell them products. We want to help them solve those problems. And honestly, nine times out of ten, there'll then be a conversation say, right, you know, there's an issue in HR. You know, Could you help with this project? There's an issue here. And it just seems to lead on to different projects. I mean, there's one that our uh, CTO has been working on uh, over the course of last year. And he was literally in Australia, uh, Germany, all over Europe, scoping it. And it was a kind of a very small initial need yeah. to deliver for a small department in Yorkshire. And it just spread then over the course of eight or nine months. He's going across the world to scope and then deliver this project. And it's now kind of enterprise-wide, multiple products, hosting, everything. It's, it's, it's incredible. And that's, that's just based on delivering again. Business problems. Yeah. So I think
0: when most people in uh, most businesses and mm-hmm. organisations think about sort of analytics, the approach mm-hmm. approach from the sense of all right, yeah, I want to look at my sales performance or uh, from a, a finance perspective, a finance planning perspective. You mentioned a couple of other sort of business roles there, mm-hmm. From from your experience, where where do you see analytics being be deployed in an organization? Where do you see sort of you know, I'm assuming please correct me if I'm wrong, but the sales form, sort of culture, and the um, accounting financial units uh, are kind of where the, the core domains and um, historically where analytics have been Do you see that sort of you know, expanding out within an
1: organization? I mean for me analytics uh, and business intelligence, I mean if you look historically at, at BI um, I think the first instance we have of B.I. was with uh, Lions Tea Cakes back in the 1950s when they created what they called Lions Electronic Office, wow. which uh, which stands which is basically a large computer that they used to determine how many teas, buns and cakes to make for the next day's production. So they basically took all the information from the various tea rooms across the UK, brought it to this massive, I think it had 6,000 vacuum tubes. I mean, this was a monstrous machine. Yeah. And that's what they use it for. And if you look at the commonality between that example in the nineteen fifties and now with the world of everyone talking about AI and what we have to do and big data and Bitcoin and all these different things, for me it's very very simple. It's it's all about choosing the right path. Yeah. I mean, BI and analytics, however you want to turn them, um, has always been about improving decision making. And, and that, for me, is, is the crux of it. So you mentioned finance and sales. Um, a lot of people see finance and sales as the key driver of growth within a business, probably yeah. correctly so. Um, and that is the kind of two areas where we would see the initial engagement occur an awful lot, primarily in finance, I would say. Um, if you're able to deliver you know, in the finance department, it's usually a warm re- reference elsewhere. Yeah. But in terms of you know, making decisions, as I said before, the customer has to tell you what they want to see because they know their business and they know what they want to see. You know, if they want to see sales performance over the last two quarters when they launched a new product, they've got to tell you that. And the value for customers is, does the data that we're presenting help them make better business decisions? And, and, and as I said, that's a marriage of the technology, what we can present to them, how credible it is, and their business knowledge. This is what I want to see and this is what will help me do my job better and in turn, not my department or company. There.
0: Do you find that when you, when you engage with a client, whether they've, they've been you or somebody you've dealt with <coughs> in the last 10 years, do they have a, almost like a, a disparate or quite a widespread adoption of different technologies when it comes to, to business intelligence and analytics? And, and is there anything that, that you guys can do to, to kind of bring together more of a holistic
1: view or try to, you know, integrate maybe some of those legacy systems that they've got deployed? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an extremely interesting question for us because, as I mentioned before, the focus of Assimilate has always been delivering for customers, yeah. and as, again, without wanting to re- repeat myself too much, um, our directors and our CTO especially has been on-site with clients for the last 10 years since the formation of the business to mm-hmm. now. so they hear these, these business challenges, and something that around four or five years ago was that there's a huge amount of spread of BI yeah. within organizations so it's and this was just something they kept coming up against you know we're interested in um, Hyperion we're interested in TM1 we've got some Cognos we've got some Click. we also do some stuff on an in-house system that one of the IT with kids cooked up you know and, and this is our kind of this is where how we manage our data across yeah. the company and it kind of seems as though BI was always designed to give one single version of the truth. But if you have multiple BI platforms, then you've got multiple versions of the truth, so it's, it's almost self defeating. So um, the team at Simulate have actually worked with a business partner in America to create what we believe is an answer to that. Um, and only in the last four or five months have we actively been marketing and talking about what we've created, and it's very, very exciting. And the feedback we've got has been absolutely phenomenal um, for the product, which we've named Thea. Okay. And what Thea does is it basically addresses this challenge, and, and through our research, what we found is in a typical enterprise-sized company, you'll have a spread of anywhere between three and ten different BI tools. Ten. And, and, and the reason is, again, to go back at the, the history of, of analytics, is in the kind of 1980s you had these large vendors like Cognos and MicroStrategy and uh, Hyperion, these large vendors that were selling to an IT audience, so an IT centric audience who understood data models and data tables and knew how to work with them. And then if you consider our lives, you know, my life today, flew down from Edinburgh today to, to join in the podcast, and everything was done online. You know, my, my boarding pass was online. So if you consider the adoption of you know the iPhone and platforms like Netflix and Amazon, that completely changed people's user expectations. Mm-hmm. And in the kind of nineties and especially in the early two thousands and mid two thousands, companies launched self service BI solutions mm-hmm. like Spotfire and Tableau and Click with really powerful visualizations. But they completely changed the game because they sold directly to the end users. So two departments, yeah. rather than going through this IT-centric audience. So I think the result of that is now you've got multiple BI platforms, and uh, it's really, really interesting because I'm speaking to customers now, and in the first meeting they say, yeah, I think I've got you know four or five. Uh, we have a chat about BI, about what it can do, and about you know blending data together and you know presenting that uniform view, um, and seems to go very well, and it's amazing because. The second call, the number always goes up. So I've heard sixteen is the biggest I've had so far. Sixteen different BI platforms. Um so yeah, it just goes to show you. I mean if you've got sixteen different BI platforms, how are you driving better decisions? Yeah. Because the data's all over the place. Um so that's what that's something that we're very proud of, that we've brought to market recently and, and I think it's gonna be a big game changer. So
0: so Theo isn't just a Dashboard or, or a way of representing, say, a KPIs. So it's a way of being able to grasp data from, without, from within the organisation. And I suppose my simplistic mind is, if you can if you can present it, if you can give people access to it, they're probably more likely to use it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they're probably more likely to be able to drive better decisions and therefore drive change that, that benefits not just their department, but. Possibly the are. is that, is that a fair summary or am I overegging the putting a bit there? No, no,
1: that, that's that's a fair summary. It's a, it's a mammoth when you think of it. I mean, the amount of things that the can actually do, and um, when you look at the the intricacies of what people are trying to do with their data, yeah. and I think um, in the examples where you do have multiple different BI systems, that causes challenges. And as you as you so rightly said, the most important audience for me, and, and I think for the team at Assimilate as well, is often overlooked in these decisions and that's the users Yeah. and um, yeah. users want to use the tools that they bought so if you're a part of a department that are actively using a tool let's say you're using Tableau or Click a really nice visualization tool and that makes you look good in your role and you you're, you like presenting you like working in that way you know if someone takes that away from you and, and, and forces another tool upon you you're going to struggle with that and I think um, I think I read an interesting statistic I can't remember the source but it around 60 to 65% of all BI projects fail, and, it's, and the chief reason for that is user adoption, because people want to use the tools that they use. You know, if I walked out in the street and somebody took my iPhone off me today and said, you know, here's a free Android phone or Windows phone, you know, yeah. you'll be using that from now, you know, I wouldn't want to use it because the tool that I've chosen, i have used it, I've got my kind of life set up around it, I have work set up around that. And I think users within an organization are the same. They want to use the tools they've been using and uh, do the best job that they can, and what Thea does is it allows users to use those tools, but then it leverages the kind of semantic layer and the security of the larger tools within your estate. So IT gets that overarching view, which you need. Mm. You need from a security perspective. You, know, you need to make sure that you're aware who's using what and what data is being used uh, in the organization. I think there's stories can sk- all the time about how and where data is being used. So that's vital from a security aspect. Um, but from a user point of view, you just want to use that tool. And I think that's what, um, and gives you is the freedom and flexibility to work in the way you want, with the security and scalability that the company needs. Yeah,
0: I mean, just to bring me back to you, know, you mentioned you know, a few minutes ago about um, how you know, these organisations with a whole raft of, of different technologies in use and how certain vendors and uh, businesses have set jobs up to make it easier to almost access analytics on demand than through through the cloud. It strikes me that when you talk about security, it's not just about maybe a a, a set of salespeople or or a particular department going, yeah, well, we've we've got this data, it's either in spreadsheets or whatever format, we can't get what we want out of the system's we've go. So we'll we'll just go inside into a service. Yeah the simple fact is you, you put in the your businesses, I think the, the core value of say your sales data up on you know, the third party's cloud mm-hmm. and you know, as an organisation, A, do you know who's allowed to access that data, B, do you know where it's going to reside, do you know Reach any sort of regulations? Do you you know that actually the people are going to access it? Are who you want accessing it? And are those are those considerations that you come across when when you're talking about you know, the, the deployment of any number of technologies in in a client, or or does it does that tend to revert back to being more of a well,
1: that's that's IT's problem. No, I think. Um... It's definitely a problem that we've come across before. Before, um, and I think again, that's driven a business decision from a similar perspective, uh, where we've become a cloud partner, and I think yeah. a leading cloud partner for um, for IBM. And we actually have customers who we work with, and we manage the entire system for them. Yeah. So we entire manage their hosting, their BI system, their data warehouse, absolutely everything, their reporting, and we log on to their system every single day and check to make sure everything is the way it should be. And again, it goes back to what I said kind of at the start of the call, is that we know their business inside and yeah. out, and we run, essentially we run their analytics for them and with them. And if there's any major changes to be made, they'll ask for you know, our advice in terms of best practice. But alternatively, yeah, there could be an example where somebody just wants to come, you to come in and adhere to their kind of hosting requirements and security structures. But with the the emergence of these self-service BI tools, as you mentioned before, I think that is a problem that not a lot of organizations will be aware how deep that runs. So if you have budget, and as you mentioned, if you have your own budget as a head of market within a large organization, you can go out and buy a tool very easily online and give it access to your team. And the danger there for me from the client side is what data are you actually then reporting? So if I go into a sales meeting sure. and say, "Listen, that product launch was absolutely fantastic. Look at the results we're getting," and everyone says, "Oh, well, that's fantastic." Okay, how do we how do we uh, kind of build upon that success? You're then making a decision based on data that's kind of it's it's come from a source where you're not able to track it through the organization. Hmm. So you spend an awful lot of time setting up the security structures that you have in your large kind of BI estate that you may have, no matter what product it is, and then. You know, when people start going outside, that it's a big risk and you know, it's a big, uh, it's a big consideration for the organisation.
0: That's interesting. That's really interesting. And I suppose it comes back to what we we're talking about earlier about making, or, or deploying a, a solution or even a service to to those internal users that encourages them to use it rather than go off and trying to find their own solutions, their own, you know, adopt their own. Like you said technology or, you know, got my own budget, I'll go and sign up to a service. It's not just the security aspect, it's the veracity and the timeliness of the data that they're actually going to use. It might actually do more harm than, than good by doing something that way rather than, you know, making more of the partnership that you might have with an organisation like Simware and, you know, using your skills and experience to, to get the, the end result. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think... Um... Yeah, it's users are often uh, users are often forgotten kind of in this. Yeah. and I think for me, the most interesting the most interesting area is, is mergers and acquisitions. I think in two thousand and sixteen, Deal mentioned there was over five trillion pounds spent in and mergers and acquisitions. And if you think about the you know those companies coming together, mm. if the average amount of tools that an organisation has, BI tools is between four and six. If you merge two together, and right. that becomes eight and ten. And you'll know yourself, obviously. If you get very senior changes within an organization, a CEO or a CFO or a CDO or, or anyone in the C suite coming on board, they want to, they're a user too. They want to use the tools that they want to use and they have used before and they've been successful with. So they might want to introduce a new technology into the SD. And you've got then a team underneath them of users who are used to using the solution that they've used. And it then becomes, you know, kind of a struggle around what do we actually use? And I think what we're able to deliver with Thea is everyone can use the tool that they want to use uh, and drive those better business decisions, but not really too hung up on the product because I think the product is becoming less and less important. And yeah. um, It's really just about solving those problems and allowing people to work in the way they want. And I think that's, that's the real key and that's the freedom that we're providing. I think, to to
0: kind of summarise it in my own head and feel, feel free to correct me, but hopefully by by solution like Theo, what what we'll see is the ability for a business to to almost that de-risk from saying an merger moving from a number of platforms down to a more easily manageable or a single yeah, off, or single say, a vendor. Mm-hmm. Um, so what will effectively happen is you de-risk, you're not incurring the cost of that transition or that migration, as you quite eloquently put, deploying something that isn't just in addition to that number of technologies that you've got, but actually allows people to continue business as normal, but actually with less impact, less risk increase the chance that they'll get more out of what they're used to getting out of so not massive transitional migration projects from from one technology set to another but just being smarter about how you you sweat the technologies you're already invested in
1: yeah i mean absolutely i think it's this is becoming a problem that people are now becoming aware of yeah and i think over two over a third of people or sorry, over a third of organizations are considering unifying on a single platform. Mm. So if they've got multiple platforms, they're gonna do away with one and kind of apply the 80-20 rule and just say, we're gonna go with this one. We paid for it, we're gonna go with that. And it was interesting, in, in doing research for um, a talk I, ha- I was doing in London in November, I actually sat down with a, a, a very close friend of mine who, who's a CFO, he's retired now, really. he was a CFO, um, who was put in charge of overseeing one of these migration projects? Ooh. The burn rate at the height of the project was a million dollars a day. Oh my God! And the total cost was in excess of two of eight hundred million dollars, and uh, it took over three years to complete the migration. Just moving from one platform to another. They were moving from multiple. Yeah, they were moving from multiple platforms. Uh, but. Over the course of the kind of two to three years, he said it was. An, I mean, he's the CFO, so he's probably not used to the kind of politics within taking tools away from people. Um, but it was a three-year project, and I was dying to find out. You know, we were having a cup of tea, and I almost spattered across the room. And I was uh, dying to find out if it was successful. And it turns out that after the three years, that company itself was acquired. So they didn't even they didn't even deliver it. And that for me is is, you know. It's not just the finance behind it, it's not just that it's going to be very expensive. It's that think of the amount of productivity that was lost in that three year period yeah. of people who were trying to get used to a new tool, trying to get used to working with it, trying to get used to the best way to do their job effectively, replacing different reports or dashboards or locations um, when you know it's not needed. And I think it's it's really, really cool what we're doing now and the conversations that we're having. Uh, I mean, it's a completely new sales cycle. You're learning stuff all the time because people are coming out of the woodwork with different challenges, and, and every time people see it, they have a different perspective. Yeah. You know? Some people want to expose their customer data out securely, yeah. their BI data. Some people want to take data from one source system, pull it through via and present it out in another way, which you can do. Some people want to migrate from on-premise to, uh, to the cloud, which you can do. Um, yeah even just a simple migration from one instance of a certain product. So if you had um, an older version of Cognos and you were moving to the latest version and you had thousands of users, I mean, I'm sure if there's anyone listening from an IT perspective who's managed one of those migrations, I'm sure their ears are bleeding. Just, and they probably just had a cold Yeah, exactly. And and it's trying to take that pain away from them as well. As, yeah. Because with the, uh, everything's presented as an artifact, and that means it's just a piece of information We don't care where it's come from. We don't care if it's a click artifact, a Tableau artifact, a Microsoft Power BI artifact. Where it's come from is irrelevant. And then the users, they're just engaging with their reports as they would always do. So it doesn't matter to them if it's the older version of Cognos or the newer version. There's no kind of start-stop, so you're you're kind of, you're preventing that impact. So yeah, it's, it's a problem that has a lot of different kind of offshoots, and that's something that we're learning right now, and it's really, really exciting.
0: I mean, we're coming. We're coming to the end of the podcast. It's been absolutely fascinating to, to hear your point of view and hear some of the great stuff that you guys are up to. I right? just just to wrap up, my, my final question to you is: Yeah, as I say, you guys are doing some great stuff, and, and I think it's yeah I'd probably fair to say that it's it's out out there from a point of view of you know thought leadership and you know, where you envisage taking BI for the future, but um, if you were to, to kind of wrap up where you think the eye is heading in the next couple of years on what sort of trends you'll see, I mean, any thoughts there? Do you see? I mean, you look at people like IBM acquiring a weather company, and you look at uh, the, the promotion of things like open data, you know, the concepts of open data. Do you see that organizations will be? taking in data from outside of their businesses to, to augment the decisions they made? Do you see you know, more of a shift to to cloud than ever? I'm just really interested in where you think sort of, you know, you think your business and your industry is going to go in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, there's a, a huge amount to, to cover there. I'm sure you could write a... a we'll come back for about part two, Yeah, I'm sure you could write a doctorate on that. And um, In terms of cloud, I think cloud adoption is definitely going to increase. Mm. I think initially there were a lot of... Um, people who are put off maybe by the security aspect, yeah. but when you think, the way I think about it is, um, if you've got a server in your basement, you can see it, you can touch it, it's a tangible thing, and uh, you know that your information's there, but that, that can be hacked. Yeah. If you have your system, you know, your kind of cloud system with Amazon or IBM or one of these large vendors, they will have the best technical people in the world yeah. providing the security. Yes. So I think that's something that people are learning and becoming more accustomed to. You know, everything's a transition, you know, whether it's radio to television to YouTube, you know, everything is a transition and there's a period. Um, so from, from that perspective, from a cloud perspective, most definitely I think that will increase. Um, I think there'll be an awful lot more vendors in the marketplace. Yeah. I think um, Predictive Analytics today cites that there's over 250 top BI solutions at the moment. So I think there will be a huge amount of tools out there, a huge amount of choice. Um, it's how we bring that together, and, and, and Thea hopefully will be the first of, of many. I, I think there will be other solutions to how you integrate these tools, because you know we definitely don't want to be the only one, because we want to drive you know, analytics, uh, analytics forward. Um, AI is obviously something that's going to be more and more prevalent, so how we interact with, with computers is changing. Um, you know in our crm system you can actually leave voice recordings and it transform, transforms it into text for you and you know voice memos and and and, and you know, that kind of interaction so that's really the nirvana is how do i interact with my data safely and securely and talk to it you know I've, yeah. I've partnered with ibm on a few uh bots and deals and discussions and the technology there is absolutely incredible and you know that the system is able to create its own mind via the corpus and, and learn and yeah. some of the stuff that they're able to do so i i, I think that kind of technology is going to become more readily available, uh, and we can see that now in some of the products that are in the marketplace at the moment, but I think that's just going to increase and speed up. Yeah, the,
0: that, that adoption rate will hopefully increase, and we'll, like you said, we'll see in yeah, the years to come, hopefully, um, we'll see that people will just culturally and socially, that shift to acceptance of things like AI. and yeah, more readily available. It's just you know, as a citizen, it's always there. It's been there, and it's it's more of an assistant mm-hmm. and an aid in that decision-making process. But thank you very much for joining us today. I Absolutely. Really appreciate you taking the time to come down from Edinburgh. And thank you very much to all our listeners. And um, yeah, I look forward to hopefully hearing more from you. Fingers crossed, we can uh, we can be back sometime soon for a part two.
1: Definitely, anytime. So it's been a
0: pleasure. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the IT Insider Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe and visit us at theitinsider.com.